This is episode 48 of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Today we're talking about the Packers' week 2 21-16 victory over the Minnesota Vikings. Cheeseheads! It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. How's it going, everybody? My name is Mike Fleischman. I'm coming to you from my beautiful south side of state, and I am joined remotely by the slightly under-the-weather Matt Mellum setter from his north side college estate. How are you hanging in, man? Uh, we're doing all right. We got a we got a little bit of a sore throat, but uh, we're 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 doing all right. We're doing fine. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. I've been trapped in my basement trying to record a song it's been uh, since yesterday morning that i really started work on this thing so i'm going into into day two and not a lot of hygiene or or life maintenance things have happened since i started this project but i'm um, having a real good time but i really am glad to be taking a break because getting out of my basement and getting upstairs is going to gonna force me to do other life things such as like take a shower and exercise mm. uh things mm. that i should have done done yesterday so well i don't know, you know i'm, I'm hanging in and yeah sometimes when you're making something you just uh it's best to stay in the zone not to leave the zone they say and uh kind of on that note we 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 saw the packers a little bit in the zone last week against the Minnesota Vikings. We did a hot start for uh, for Green Bay, 21 points to start the game on their first three possessions. The start of this game had us just absolutely giddy. The rest of this game wasn't quite as remarkable no. as the first, oh, I don't know, 18 minutes of it. But I tell you what, watching those first 18 minutes and – the Vikings have a lot of problems right now, but the, one of the problems that they don't have is that they have a very good defense. Watching the Packers really jump on that defense and do what they wanted to put up 21 points to start the game tells you a little something about what the Packers' offense could look like if they ever pull it all together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, like the 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 defense struggled kind of over the last, or the offense struggled kind of over the last. Uh, half of the game you know the first quarter was a great start and it kind of fizzled out from there but all of those snaps still count you know I mean the performance that we saw in the first quarter is electrifying and to have a team that can put up 21 in three drives that can put up points in bunches really quick uh that's a pretty big deal and not many teams can do that especially against a defense like the Minnesota Vikings and the way that they accomplished it is exactly how you expect a Matt LaFleur offense with the weapons that he has to accomplish it. You look at the the first touchdown drive, which started at the 25 and went four plays into the end zone, deep pass to Devontae Adams off a of play action on first down for 39 yards, then a quick Aaron Jones run for six, another Aaron Jones run for 15, and then Jamal Williams' 15-yard pass from Aaron Rodgers to finish it off. And that final play of that drive was my favorite play that the Packers ran all game. It was a yeah. play action with two running backs in the in the package, a play action to Jones, and then sort of a counter screen where everything was looking left, and then they had the screen set up for Williams on the weak side back on the right side. That, to me, was showing me that not only does LaFleur actually have some of the things that he's advertised as having, but he had a really good idea about what kind of what kind of plays are going to get Minnesota off balance and how to use a team that has two starting caliber running backs. Yeah. And, and we see those kind of like, uh, make all the action go right and then throw a counter to the left. Like those kind of leak out plays a lot from LeFleur's predecessors and from LeFleur's mentors, like Kyle Shanahan and that whole tree. Sean McVay runs that a lot. I believe both, uh, San Francisco 49ers, coached by Kyle Shanahan, and the uh, 
Rams in LA have both run a kind of a similar idea of a tight end leak out play action play for touchdowns this year. I'm excited to see LaFleur run it sometime this year. On the ensuing drive, the Vikings get all the way down to the Green Bay 29. Dan Bailey misses a 47-yard field goal wide left to end that drive. The Packers take it right back, go 11 plays for 63 yards for another touchdown. This was another tempo offense sort of drive. Green Bay was converting on third downs. They had third downs on their first first down, their second first down, their third first down. So they converted three third downs Mm -hmm. on this second drive. And this wasn't so much the quick strike of the first drive. This showed you another year that the Packers have in getting getting their positive yardage. They're not looking like 40 yards downfield. This stuff was short, and it was all very effective. Yeah, it was it was short. It was quick. It was effective against the defense. You know, it was uh, it was uh, making sure that 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 Minnesota front line couldn't get home. Their defensive line is so good there, and they created pressure all day. But uh, a lot of this was done to counter that uh, pressure up front. On this, on the next Vikings drive, Kirk Cousins gets sacked. Kenny Clark comes in, knocks the ball out. This was a great sequence because the Vikings had third down and seven at the 28. Cousins scrambles, gets a forced fumble from Darnell Savage. It gets recovered by Smith at the Minnesota 40, so it gets a first down. Cousins had just had the ball knocked out. A piece of luck got Minnesota a first down anyway in that they were able to recover. So... What does Mike Pettin do on the ensuing first down at the 40? Sends a whole bunch of guys. Yep. And Kenny Clark forces another fumble, which is recovered by uh, Dean Lowry, the Minnesota 40. It's a great response because you had you had Cousins in a place where he was already a little bit self-conscious. They yep. had gotten a very cheap first down, and then all of a sudden on first down, the house is coming back after him again right up the middle. And Kenny Clark does a great job, so that gives Minnesota, or Green Bay, I should say, a short field in which they needed four plays to get right back into the end zone. Aaron Jones punches it in, and that makes it 21 to nothing. And at that point, we are 44 seconds into the second quarter. Yeah. It looked like it was on track for a blowout. It did. The, the trouble is, is that Minnesota is... Not a complete team at the moment. They have some stuff they need to figure out, but they're not a bad team either. And in in particular, they have some very, very good personnel. And one of the guys that they have that's incredibly good is Dalvin Cook, who on second down and 10 goes 75 yards for the touchdown. This is going to be something that I think the Packers need to be aware of is that when they play close to the line of scrimmage, when they're playing in their base package, particularly with B.J. Goodson, yeah. if people are blocked, there's not a lot of people going back and in the backfield. So once you get seven yards upfield, you've beaten most of the Green Bay base defense. Mm-hmm. And Dalvin Cook is the kind of guy where if you beat the if you beat those guys and take a good angle to the sideline, you're gone. Yeah, no one's and he was absolutely you. gone on this one. Yeah, he's just so insanely athletic. Um, he's just so fast, and that burst once he got to the second uh, level, he was gone. It's an incredible play. We did see a lot of Goodson in this game. More on that a bit later. The next Green Bay drive is a fumble. They were heading straight down the field. They were at the Minnesota 36. Rodgers got a pass to Geronimo Allison. They had first down yardage on it, and then he fumbles, knocked out by Harrison Smith. For Allison, this isn't something I'm totally concerned about, but this really took the momentum away from Green Bay. It's 21-7 at that point, and you give it right back to to Minnesota, and you start to get the feeling that this is where the the Packers went into the tank because they were moving the ball really well here as we we get into the second quarter. But Allison gets knocked out by Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith is very good. For Allison, it's been a while since he's been in game in real game situations and it's also he didn't see a lot of action last week so this is really his first first action where he's getting targeted he already had a touchdown pass at this point but yeah a fumble there 
and Minnesota responds immediately by going three and out. Yeah, and uh, this is where this is where the the Packers defense started to adjust to Dalvin Cook. The the gap discipline was a lot better after that seventy five yard touchdown, and Cook really he had he had a good game on paper, but really he had one very effective play, and then other than that, his big play play capacity was really held in check. Yeah, and that's kind of what we've seen from Dalvin Cook so far this year is, you know, not consistently getting eight-yard runs, but getting a 75-yard run, breaking off a 40-yard run, a 50-yard run, and then a bunch of two- and three- and four-yard gains. I mean, he's a he's a real boom-or-bust kind of guy, and he had one boom play and a lot of average plays this week. But that boom play was incredible. So the Vikings punt on that one. The Packers then go three and out. The Vikings then proceed to go three and out. The Packers then proceed to go three, not three and out. They go six and out after getting out to the uh, 27. And then then the Vikings take over, and Cousins throws his first interception of the day, looking for Stephon Diggs, intercepted by uh, by Preston Smith. That was a great look for Preston Smith because we've seen his ability was advertised not so much as a pass rushing outside linebacker, but as a guy who was who was effective, if not superlative, as a pass rusher, but also effective, if not superlative, as a coverage guy. He's a guy who can do both for you and do both in a well-rounded way. And getting him into a, into a situation where he can be heads up and make a pick, yeah. I love to see that because now you've seen now you've seen exactly why the Packers wanted him. Yeah, exactly. Is is he's so uh he can do it all on the football field and and this throw by Kirk Cousins trying to fit it into a small window, Darnell Savage breaks on the ball so fast, uh pops it up with his right hand right into Preston Smith's two hands for the interception. A really great play from a two some some new Packers acquisitions. Kirk Cousins is a guy that I think has been unfairly maligned. He had a very subpar game yeah. on Sunday against the Packers. He has a truly elite ability, of, and, then, and that's throwing the deep ball. He throws the deep ball as good as anyone I've ever seen do it. He can hit guys in some absurd spots, but a lot of the rest of his game is so far below average at times that I'm starting to wonder about this guy. Yeah, you know, I I think he's worth every penny Minnesota paid him. Um, you're not gonna find many quarterbacks as good as Kirk Cousins on the free agency market. Um, and so, you know, if you're Minnesota going from Case Keenum and Sam Bradford to Kirk Cousins, I think you make it an upgrade. But Kirk Cousins might not win you a Super Bowl unless your defense is top five. And I don't know if this Minnesota defense is top five anymore. They're definitely top fifteen, top ten. Uh, but I don't know if they're a bona fide, you know, one, two, or three like they have been in the past few years. I think the thing that that gets me about Cousins is that he's got he's got a got the weapons to be able to scheme to be more of a deep passing guy. Adam Thielen can make some amazing catches. He's got he's got legitimate like top in the league pass catching ability along the sideline on deep balls. Stephon mm-hmm. Diggs is very fast. More on him later. But for Cousins, a lot of these passes where he's trying to, to fit it in a, a window over the middle and such, I don't think it plays exactly to his strengths. The Packers, this is where I wish they could have had a better response, but they weren't able to move the ball and end up having, end up having to uh, turn it over on fourth and one. And this is a situation that the tabloids love because this is a Rodgers-Lafleur situation. On third and one, Rodgers passes short right to Geronimo Allison he stays on the field, and he's going to claim that he thought that was first and 10, and then they ran a stretch-off tackle play for Jamal Williams again on fourth and one. Mm-hmm. So a um, bit, bit of a problem there Yeah, in that Rodgers thought it was first and 10, and the play that came in was, I don't know. I don't know how a team quite gets to that situation, but it was as as disorganized as I'm making it sound right now on the podcast, it looked about that way on the field live as well. Yeah, it was a bad play call. I mean, if it's first and ten, it makes sense to run Jamal Williams off the left tackle. 
if it's fourth and one, it doesn't at all. Especially if you're at the 25, you want to just get points here. Um, and so, uh, you know, for for the second week in a row, we've kind of seen um, a weird decision not to kick it, uh, to go for it instead. I don't agree with it here. I agreed with it in the Bears game. I don't agree with it this time. But that, that kind of confusion, I was not aware of. Uh, but it definitely makes sense looking back. Yep, you're up 21-7. I want three points there as yep. much as you do. But mistakes got made. Uh, Minnesota responds with the ball at their own 27 and are able to pick up a field goal. Now, this is a game. This is a drive that had a deep pass to BB for, for 61 yards. Thielen mm-hmm. gets an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, and also Jair Alexander gets an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty away from the ball on that deep play. play. So that stands. First and goal at the three. Cousins passes short middle to Stephon Diggs. He catches it. It's ruled a touchdown. And then the play goes to replay. Remember, we're under, we're yeah. inside two minutes at this point. There's no challenge here. So the replay official takes a look at it. And upon looking at it, rules that there was offensive pass interference. And that penalty was on Dalvin Cook. And I, Matt, you know, this, this is the play that ended up deciding the game. Yeah. I think in that it kept. It kept the game from being 21-17 going into halftime. And it's one of those plays that even though that benefited the Packers, I I'm I'm not it's not sitting very well with me just from from my, my overarching nonpartisan feeling. I get I get what Dalvin Cook did on the play. Yeah. He blocked one guy, he disengaged from that block, and then fully engaged on another block. Yeah. Before, a pass Before the was pass thrown. was thrown, yeah, down you know at at least three to four yards downfield each time. I mean, that is textbook offensive pass interference. That is precisely what the offensive pass interference rule is meant to stop from happening. Yep. But just the fact that it comes in after the fact, it left a lot of it. It left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, and I can at least understand why. Yeah, I you know I get it. I guess why it would leave a bad taste in someone's mouth. It, you know it's challengeable now, so it, it you know it makes sense to me that we can look at it after the play, even if it's you know an official's review or something. Um, still felt weird to have it called back for that reason. Um, I, it was the first time I'd seen it yet this year, uh, so it was it was it was uh, it was interesting. Went in the Packers' favor though, so so at that point. A goal line stand ensues, and Cousins on first and goal, there's a run. Dalvin Cook is is strung out at the, uh, at the 13. Second and goal from the 13, it's an incomplete pass. Third and goal from the 13, an incomplete pass. Dan Bailey finishes it off, <coughs> pardon me, with a 31-yard field goal. Green Bay goes quick three and out. Punts it back to Minnesota. They end the half that way. Go into the locker room 21-10. At this point, a three and out for Minnesota on their first possession ends in a punt. Green Bay fumbles the ball away. Rodgers Rogers fumbles back at the uh, 42 under pressure. Mm-hmm. Mata'afa is the one who recovers that one. Minnesota immediately responds to Fondig's 45-yard pass from Kirk Cousins. A beautiful throw. For, yeah, for the touchdown. Absolutely beautiful. And this is where Stephon Diggs made, I think, the most significant mistake that he made in this game. And he had a couple of drop balls, a couple of plays yeah, that he downs. should have made. Yep. Yeah. But this one, he immediately catches the pass and then rips his helmet off and starts trash-talking some Green Bay fans, which, okay, cool. I'm not That's 15 yards. Opposed to, yeah, I'm not opposed to trash-talking some Green Bay fans, but yeah, they probably deserved I, would it. Prefer, I would prefer if he did that on the play that put the Vikings up in the yeah. game. 
<laughs> yeah. And, you know, as if, if you're a Vikings fan, you also prefer that he do that he in a way that doesn't get him a 15-yard penalty, which yeah. then results in a blocked kick for the here's extra a, point. Yeah, and here's the situation on that is that Minnesota likely would have gone for two. They kept their offensive personnel out on the field yeah. after the touchdown. But because of Stephon Diggs doing that in the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, you can no longer go for two. And Lafleur chose yeah. for it to be uh, for the the penalty to be penalty to be accepted on the PAT and not the kickoff, which means that they can't go for two from 17 yards out. That's a tough play. Yep. So they have to kick the, the PAT. PAT is blocked by Tony Brown. Stays a 16 to 21 game. Packers punt on the next possession. Rogers sacked on a uh, on a third and seven. Vikings punt on the very next possession after. After getting it all the way into uh, into Green Bay territory, but they were facing third and twenty one because of a holding penalty on Bradbury. Bradbury had a rough game; their rookie Packers yeah. punt on the next possession. We get into the fourth quarter. Vikings punt. Packers punt. Everyone's just sort of white knuckling their lives at this point. When Minnesota down by five points, starts going on a very effective-looking drive. They get down to first and goal at the eight. Yeah. And then Kirk Cousins, with pressure coming, starts backpedaling and throws a pass deep right looking for digs. Shades of last week at Chicago. Yeah. Picked off by Kevin King in the end zone for a touchback. I got I to gotta ask you, as someone who really does like to watch the defense play second week in a row where we've seen a bad throw into the corner of the end zone by two different quarterbacks of admittedly varying quality. <laughs> yeah. But I was wondering if there's something that you're seeing that is making these quarterbacks think that that's the throw they need to make. Is there something scheme wise happening there? Because to have two, two bad throws like that result in easy interceptions, it's, it's uncanny. It leads me to think that there's something that these guys are seeing that, is is letting them think that 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 corner route is there. Yeah. So uh, with the Bears game and, and the Trubisky throw, um, it was one that the defense knew was coming. Uh, Nagy and and the Bears ran that exact play with the exact formation, the exact personnel lineup. So Adrian Amos uh, said like before the play, if he lines up in that spot, the corner route is coming. So in the Bears game, the defense was able to read it. Trubisky never looked off of that corner route because uh, he doesn't know how to progress reads. Um, in this situation with Kirk Cousins, after the game, Kirk Cousins said he, he was trying to throw that ball away. He was trying to put that ball in a spot above Stephon Diggs in the corner where only Diggs could get it. It was going to be either Diggs or no one. It was going to be flying out of the back Ugh. of the end zone. And instead, he left it about five yards short, and Kevin King was able to make a tremendous play on it. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't think there's much defensively there that was happening to trick them into that. It was just great pressure and fantastic coverage by Kevin King on the, you know, the, the crossing around across the middle, um, which ended in that corner. So at this point, you've got five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Green Bay goes three and out. Rodgers back to pass on each of these on each of these first, second, and third downs. Yeah, I would have liked to see it means- run there. So at 4:14, J.K. Scott puts a 48-yard punt back to the Minnesota 24. Uh, I didn't mention J.K. Scott in last week's podcast. J.K. Scott looked amazing all preseason. He looked acceptable last year. He looks amazing in the first two games of this season. Yeah, he looks great so far. Minnesota proceeds to immediately go three and out. Dalvin Cook runs for three yards. Cousins incomplete to Thielen, then Cousins incomplete to Thielen again. Fourth and seven. 3.24 left from their own 27, and Mike Zimmer elects to punt it back to Green Bay at this point, which Minnesota had all three of their timeouts. That's not the worst decision ever. I've had it second-guessed, but I honestly think that I, that would be my decision as well. Yeah, punt it there. Pray your defense stops them. You have such a good defense, you should expect them to get a stop earlier than they did. You've got three timeouts and the two-minute warning, but uh, Vikings defense doesn't get get a stop 
until there's only 13 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Leaves them no, no real opportunity. Yeah, got Green Bay back out on the field. Let them do some straight-ahead run blocking. Aaron Jones up for two yards. Aaron Jones again for 13 yards. Minnesota takes the timeout with 2.19 left. Aaron Jones for four yards, two-minute warning. Yeah. Then, with second down and six, the bold play call happens. Coming out of the two-minute warning, Rodgers, quick pass, short middle, and one of those precise oh. timing slant routes to Devontae Adams. Yeah. Uh, the Packers at this point needed one last good play to win the game, and that was it. Yeah, and I I think, if if I remember correctly, I think that's kind of a similar play to the, the RPOs that we talked about last week, where there's mm-hmm. a few occasions where Rodgers has the option to hand it off or throw it right to Devontae Adams if the read is there. And this looked like kind of something similar. You know, I haven't seen a replay of it, um, but just watching it in real time, it looked like a similar route to kind of what we'd seen or a similar quick throw to what we had seen uh, last week against the Bears in those RPO type of plays. Packers let the clock go all the way down, and with 13 seconds left, punt it back to the Minnesota Vikings. They get it with six seconds left on the clock and start the start the scramble drill and the lateral drill. It goes nowhere, and that is how the game ends. Green Bay scores 21 points in the first 17 minutes of the game, they score no points in in the rest of the game. Remaining 43. <laughs> yep. Uh, Green Bay put their defense out on the field multiple times and counted on them to come up with big plays and big stops. And for the second week in a row, they did. Yeah. Some really I, exceptional. I, I love seeing As the leader of the free world likes to say, you love to see it. You love to see it. it some really exceptional defensive play this year. And, you know, it's great to know that while the offense starts to catch its 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 footing and find its footing and catch its drift and all those other uh, sayings, you know, the defense is able to be steady and kind of hold their hand through. Uh, you know, I mean, a few great drives put together by this offense. Um, you know, those first three drives are as good as you're going to see out of LaFleur's offense. And it shows what we could expect going forward. Even when there's struggles, even when there's some adjustments made by a, a fantastic coach in Mike Zimmer, a fantastic defensive coach in Mike Zimmer with a great defensive unit, the defense for the Green Bay Packers is strong enough to hold on to leads and strong enough to win games down the stretch for this, this Green Bay team. Taking a look at some of the some of the snap counts, Aaron Jones got twenty three carries, twenty seven total touches, gets hundred and fifty yards from scrimmage. He was good catching the ball. Yeah. On Sunday, which is new for him. Yeah, he, kind of. He really has added the ability to catch the ability to catch a a pass hasn't been hasn't been something he's considered to be reliable with doing. Sure. He's a guy who like he certainly can. He's he's not like terrifying yeah. when you throw a ball out to him, but to be to be reliable yeah. is a step up for him. And it's really all that a running back as good as Aaron Jones needs to have in his arsenal. Yeah, and and we almost saw him on a massive play. Um, There's a little wheel route out of the out of the backfield to Aaron Jones, and it was one of Rogers' only few real misses on the week. Is he left it to throw a little bit short, and it was able to be uh, batted down by I think it was uh, Anthony Barr. Um, yep, gar- uh, who is who is guarding uh, Aaron Jones. Uh, but if that throw yeah. is if that throw leads him two more feet, I mean Aaron Jones burns him down the sideline. Who knows if that's a touchdown or not? Um, and Jones was even able to come back to it and get his hands on it before it was broken up by Barr or Kendricks or whoever it was. Um, so you know uh, he's able to get himself open. He's been able to run good routes out of the backfield thus far this year. He's caught balls out of the backfield. Um, some 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 good things from Aaron Jones, and he's stayed healthy through a lot of touches. Mm-hmm. Jamal Williams gets 35 plays, caught that screen pass on the little play-action screen on the first touchdown drive. Uh, love the way he's being used right now yeah. by Matt LaFleur in this offense. Wide receivers, Adams plays just about every snap. Valdez Scantling gets the second-most snaps. Allison with 34. Didn't see much after that fumble, unfortunately. Kumaro gets six. Trevor Davis gets four. Uh, not as much Trevor Davis in this game. He was not very good 
in the punt return game either. He got penalized for calling for a fair catch and then immediately going and blocking, which yeah. for a guy whose only job on an NFL team was to receive punts, Crazy that's, you didn't know about You that. just can't have it. You cannot have it. You hate to see it. Hate to see it. Uh, the Titans did absolutely nothing in this game. I think, you know, facing a an athletic linebacker core, that's something yeah, that and a, you expect. And a really strong, yeah, and a really strong safety group as well. Yep. Um, I mean, the tight ends, Drew Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris a lot, uh, along with, you know, Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr. So uh, it's a tough unit for the tight ends to go up against. Jimmy Graham's low lights on the game were an offensive pass interference that took away his only pass reception and also getting absolutely blown the F up by Daniil Hunter yeah. on a third oh. down sack. Man, And yeah. again, um, hi, it's, it's me, Mike, with Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. If you have a play that relies on Jimmy Graham blocking Daniil Hunter or any such other angry human being who's running at Aaron Rodgers, take that play and build, build a space rocket, put that play in the space rocket, and fire it into the sun. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. And even if, like, a, I think Aaron Jones was pass blocking on that play and ended up having to take a blitzer up, uh, like, the B-gap or something. Even if you're expecting a halfback to chip on that, it doesn't matter. A chip oh. is not going to do anything. No, uh-uh. Jimmy Graham should not be in pass protection ever. Ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious because we saw him being assigned to have to block Khalil Mack on a run play in week one, and now he's in pass protection having to block Daniil Hunter, uh, That's that must come to an end. It's insane. Yeah, He must look um, really good blocking Fackrell in yep. practice. Boy. <laughs> on the offensive line, the uh, the starting five goes all, all the plays except for Lane Taylor. We saw Alton Jenkins take a series from him, and that was... Exactly what I predicted was going to start happening with Jenkins. He was fantastic. They were running the ball a lot on his one series. He was getting downfield, sustaining blocks on the second level. He's he's going to be the starter. Yeah, and and it when he was in, it looked like he won every single rep, uh, pass pro yep. or run blocking. I mean, he just looked incredible. Uh, so I don't think it's long before Elton Jenkins starts taking big uh, chunks out of Lane Taylor's snaps. You can see why they drafted him, and you can see you can see him contrasting to Lane Taylor's strengths. Lane Taylor is very 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 strong, incredibly slow. Elton Jenkins, if you're running a zone blocking scheme, his ability to get off with the snap and get up onto a linebacker from that guard position and to like get into his zone blocking responsibility as quickly as he can. I think let's let's Aaron Jones run back run downhill faster and find that cutback faster. He really offers some specific benefits to what the Packers specifically want to do. Yeah, he he's uh he's so quick off 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 the line, you know, and Lane Taylor's kind of plodding and strong and Elton Jenkins is is quick and he's he's pretty darn strong too. Uh it's kind of a, a tale of two guards there in Taylor and uh Jenkins, but I don't think it's long before we see Jenkins taking the majority of the snaps. On the defensive line, Clark Lowry, Lancaster, Adams, and Fadal Brown, everything there is as expected. They're, they were getting very good pressure on Kirk Cousins. They weren't letting him just sit in the pocket and survey the field. He was good when he had that kind of time, but uh, the line was after him. The outside linebackers, Preston and Zedarius, of course, Preston had the sack. Zedarius Smith put some pressures on. Kyler Fackrell got into the backfield a couple of times and looked like it's the first time he's ever been in the backfield. Uh, yeah. And Rashawn Gary uh, got a few more reps, reps. But I would, I would really be looking at this point for the team to kind of hurry Rashawn Gary into Kyler Fackrell's role because, boy, when when he gets a free run at someone, he has no idea what to do. Yeah, no, he gets. And it's, you know, it's crazy because he had 10 sacks last year. You'd expect him to know what to do because he lucked into so many last year. But this year when he's lucking into, you know, nobody blocks him, he walks right into the backfield, he, he looks lost. He looks like he has no clue what to do. He missed, I think, two tackles for a loss yesterday. 
Um, just like he, he, he got there and instead of wrapping him up, just kind of dove at their feet and I, I, I don't know. Kyler, Kyler Fackrell, not great. Yeah. He seemed surprised that he was being effective on the first half of the play and then couldn't finish the second half. Yeah. Uh, Martinez and BJ Goodson got the majority of snaps at inside linebacker Raven green got injured and, in a season where a lot was expected from him, Raven Green will instead miss the next ten weeks at least on the IR. Yeah, yep. Uh, they could bring that him. Sucks. Yeah, it does suck a lot. They could bring him back after eight, um, but uh, that's that's a tough loss for uh, an already uh, thin inside linebacking crew, and for Raven Green, who has been by all means and by everyone watching, uh, has been a really really solid addition to this team's safety room and, and linebacker room. Will Redmond ended up taking his place, but they leaned on B.J. Goodson. You can see the good with Goodson. He's very big. He likes to hit. Yeah. But you you saw the Viking. The Vikings realized him and had a couple of plays where the key was to get him to have to make quick decisions and to try to draw him in on play action. Yeah. So uh, Goodson, a guy with uh, with skills but also with liabilities there, curious to see who moves into that role of the hybrid safety linebacker or if they abandon those packages right now I think uh, you know you've got some cornerbacks that might want to do that mainly Josh Jackson you've got a guy in uh, in Josh Jones who and is not on the team anymore who who would have been perfect to bring into that position if he wanted to play for the Packers but fortunately yeah. no longer here Darnell Savage and Adrian and, uh, Amos played the whole game of uh, Adrian Amos had a quieter game uh, tonight, today, but uh, there were not a big, lot of big plays given up over top. Darnell Savage uh, contributed on that interception by Preston Smith. Uh, I continue to like this new safety core a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, they're Alexander really King, Williams are your three main three main cornerbacks. Josh Jackson continues to not play. Got one snap. I am still confused about this, but. No one was really that open all game for the Vikings, so you can't argue with results. Yeah, no, I I, I think the idea was more that uh, kind of the way that the Vikings receivers play, like Adam Thielen, he's not a he's not a burner, he's not super uh, physical or athletic, but he plays so smart and wise. Thielen only been around for five years now, but plays like a twelve year vet, and so a lot of the time they had. Someone like Tremont Williams, another vet, on Adam Thielen. Kind of matching that lack of athleticism, but smarts and savvy uh, blow for blow there. Um, no Tony Brown after playing a lot of snaps in the Chicago game. No Tony Brown on defense. Uh, an interesting uh, switch there. Showed up a lot on special teams, but I think the adjustment was that you're facing a team that lets you stay in your base defense a lot more. So Alexander yeah. King, Tremont Williams, those guys played kind of at the same level that they did in week one. So Tony Brown was on the sidelines a lot while guys like Raven Green and Will Redman and BJ Goodson were in his spot. I have a feeling we're going to see him more against teams that spread it a little bit more. Yeah. But when you're looking at Minnesota, they've got two effective wide receivers and one effective tight end. So that's a base package defense all the way to match up with that. Um, I've got some stuff that we want to touch on in the second half of the show. But before we go to the second half of the show, I want to let you all know that we are on Twitter at Cheese Cagoland and join our Facebook group where you can learn about episodes coming out. It's called Cheese Heads in Chicagoland. We'll take a quick break. We'll listen to some music that I recorded, and then we'll come back and have some some thoughts about uh, the rest of the week in the NFL and on this game also. This was a very good sentence, and I'm enjoying being stuck in the middle of it still. All right, we'll be right back on Cheeseheads in Chicago.
All right, it's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. I'm Mike Fleischman in my beautiful South Side estate. I am joined remotely by Matt Melamsetter up in the hey. up in the college digs. Matt, every quarterback died this week. Yeah, everyone, everyone did. Uh, Nick Foles died last week. Rest in peace. May his may his soul rise uh, to Valhalla. Um, Sam Darnold got mono. Cam Newton hurt. <laughs> uh, Drew Brees got hurt. Ben Roethlisberger might have to call it a career after this elbow injury. He's got him out for the year. Um, yeah, kind of everybody important uh, around the NFL except for uh, Aaron Rodgers is uh, injured, not doing great. Yeah, knock on wood. And I think it's about time that the new era of NFL quarterbacks starts to really happen. We've had a lot of guys play very deep into their careers. Yeah. All coming into absolutely. the league at about the same time. Uh, for, for guys like Roethlisberger and Drew Brees, I like Brees more than I like Roethlisberger, so I'm sadder about Brees than I am about Roethlisberger. But even guys like Eli Manning, who were just so good in their primes, he's been ineffective for about three seasons now up in New York, and he's barely hanging on to his job if he still is well he, he, philip rivers they just announced today that daniel jones will be the starter next week in new york oh there you go yeah he doesn't have a job anymore all right uh eli manning unemployed so uh rest in peace eli manning yeah uh cam newton who is now officially cooked after uh after that thursday thursday yeah. game he got outplayed by uh, Jameis Winston. That's unfortunate for everyone involved. Yeah, <laughs> he re- he re- Newton uh, re-aggravated a left foot sprain uh, that he injured in the preseason uh, Thursday against the Bucks. Might not play Sunday against the Cardinals. He hasn't practiced yet this week with Kyle Allen and Will Greer taking his reps. So we might see some uh, Will Greer uh, air raid going on down in uh, Carolina. All right, let's do it. Uh, so yeah, Tampa Bay beats Carolina. New England beats Miami forty-three to nothing. Antonio Brown c- catches at least one touchdown in that pass. Best uh, best team in the AFC. Just add add a guy like Antonio Brown. All the bullshit surrounding him, and they're just more than willing to just put him out on the field and then shut out Miami forty-three nothing. Um, every everyone, of course, is behaving in a, the most sportsmanlike and classy fashion. As yeah, usual in New England, of course. Baltimore beats Arizona. Lamar Jackson's now two and zero in twenty nineteen. You'll love to see it. San Francisco dismantles the Cincinnati Bengals forty one seventeen. Garoppolo's back. Uh, I hope that he stays healthy this year because he could be fun if he if he can. The Detroit Lions get their first win of the season. They're undefeated at one zero and one. Congratulations, the, Detroit over the Los Angeles Chargers. Good for them. Houston defeats Jacksonville. Uh, Gardner Minshew brought Jacksonville down the field and scored the touchdown to make it 13-12. And Marone decides to go for it and run the run Leonard Fournette up the middle against Houston's inside Ugh. defense to go for the win. What a dumb call! Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't I don't like anything that Jacksonville is doing outside of having Gardner Minshew on their team. Love Gardner, uh, Buffalo, Love Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo beats the Giants. Seattle beats the Steelers. Indianapolis gets a close win over Tennessee. Uh, that's a nice rivalry right there. Right there. Dallas beats uh, Washington. Uh, Dak Prescott looks fantastic this year. Yep. Kansas City beats Oakland. And the Chicago Bears get a last-second game-winning field goal from Eddie Pinheiro up in Denver to beat the Denver Broncos. The end of that game was wild. And honestly, if we're if we're doing a Trubisky watch segment on this podcast, oh his week God. two game was worse than his week one game. Yeah, by a long shot. By a long shot. Oh my God. He looked atrocious. Um and it was, you know, it was it was it was crazy reading Twitter after the game. And seeing all the like Chicago Tribune and 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 Bears uh, like uh, fan sided pages and everything, being like, "Is it time to cut ties with Trubisky? 
is it time that we move on from Tabriski? It's like, wasn't like four weeks ago, everybody was talking about how he's going to be the MVP. And now we're two weeks into the season and it's now like he, he, we need to get rid of him. He, he, the athletic had a headline the other day that was like Trubisky could be Joe Flacco, but he's a long ways away. And I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Mitch not looked great at all this year. Um, you know, uh, over the off season, there were reports of, of, uh, the Bears having to scale back their uh, offensive schemes. I have a quote from the um, Tribune, if I can find it. Yep, while you're finding it, the Rams beat the Saints 27-9. to Atlanta, in a close one, beats Philadelphia. That was a great game Sunday night. And the Cleveland Browns took apart the New York Jets and then... Uh, pointed and laughed at them. Sam Darnold has mononucleosis. I don't. There's no universe in which that isn't funny. It's and it's the so Cleveland funny. Browns, the Cleveland Browns, who looked like they were going to end up being the worst team in the league at last week, actually had a nice bounce back against the New York Jets. Um, if the when the Jets play the Dolphins this year, uh, I think I have to tune in to watch that one just out of just pure curiosity. Oh my God. Um, so I have that Ugh. quote now. Uh, All right. This is from the training camp. So the Sunday that they're talking about is like in August. But the Tribune said, On Sunday, Nagy talked about scaling back on how much the Bears have been installing offensively and remembering to stick with plays that are familiar and are within the offense's core concepts. Um, hmm. Nagy went on to say, this is not a quote, but is instead me remembering what the article said, uh, was like, we're just trying to play fast. We're trying to cut back on how much we're thinking out there. We're just trying to play familiar and fast. Um, okay. Which, to me, symbolizes your quarterback's not keeping up. But you can't come out and just say, hey, Mitch isn't keeping up with all the formations we're installing, with all the offensive reads we're installing, with everything we're putting in. So we got to trim it back. Um, and what we've seen this year is that, yeah, he's not keeping up with anything they're throwing at him. <laughs> Uh, no, they've a- had a they've had a really rough time trying to run anything, and they got some uh, they got some nice last minute uh, BS to beat the Broncos. I it was a fun game, and I tell you what, the thing about the Bears, and this will remain the thing about the Bears, is that their defense is good enough. If they stay healthy, they're in the hunt for everything this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's and it's it's what's so crazy about Mitchell Trubisky is that with a defense that good. We've seen guys like Joe Flacco go win Super Bowls. Yep. You know, we've seen guys like Eli Manning, who are not the greatest, win a Super Bowl because their defense is so good and just having an average offense. But even with a great play caller, uh, the Bears can't turn a high draft pick and a great, uh, I'll take the great play caller back, with a uh, esteemed play caller, an esteemed head coach, an offensive mind, they still can't even put together an average offense to pair with that uh, top five defense. Trubisky, 120 that, yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, that's our that's our Trubisky watch for, for week two of the regular season. Uh, next week, it's Packers versus Broncos. Packers have three in a row at home. They beat the Vikings at Lambeau. They've got the Broncos coming in. Next week, uh, we got to see the Broncos in that game against the Bears. They are not very good this year. Their defense is, I think, going to be on par with what we saw from Minnesota, but uh, the offensive weapons just aren't there. Joe Flacco has never been never been anything but an average game manager type guy. They're yeah. out of their, their mile-high confines. And I like the Packers' chances in this one real well. I like the chances for them to have a nice 3-0 and start. Yeah, I do too. I, I think the Packers win this win this Broncos game pretty easily. And, and uh, you know, the Broncos have been good this year defensively, um, but they haven't been able to get a lot of pressure. They haven't been able to get a lot of pressure home. Um, they haven't been, you know, what we uh, think of as the this esteemed Broncos defense, uh, you know, time after time, week after week. Um, they're just not who they have been in the past. Let's see if I've got another another couple of things to hit on. Oh, I've got one here. Okay. Uh, Jair Alexander oh, man. had a couple of chances for interceptions in this last game. He didn't quite complete them. Yeah. But 
I wrote down a little thought about Jair Alexander, and that's Jair Alexander's next step, which is the step that takes him into like the absolute stratosphere of being a superstar in this league, is completing the interception. Yeah. He's just he's got to get comfortable with the idea that he's regularly going to be in position for interceptions in the NFL. And once his brain catches up to the way he's playing right now, if he if he can make that step, because right now he's already almost fully formed as like, you know, a, a, your easy choice for number one cornerback, a, a real threat in this league, a, a guy that the other teams are scared of and are going to game plan around. That's one thing. Yeah. But if you complete the interception and start to have that confidence in yourself, because it just seemed like he just wasn't quite ready for the ball in those situations, but he's in those situations already which means that the next step is just one more little thing. Yeah. And you've got a guy who's just going to terrify defenses for the next 10 years. Well, he should be terrifying offenses right now. Uh, he shook Stefan Diggs to his core. Um, we saw him, him cut across the middle on a few plays and, and knock them away. Jair Alexander looked, you know, basically as good as anyone could have looked on Sunday. If only he had caught those interceptions um, that fell into his his basket. Um, but man, he he already he looks he's a top five corner in the NFL right now. He's the top five cornerback in the NFL. Yeah, I think I the big difference for me is that you're either talking about a guy who who neutralized the defense, and the only thing that you can do better is you can neutralize the offense. I've got offense and defense confused, which That's is. Okay good place for me to be in the the only thing that you can do better is take the ball away yeah at that is, point. is is the only thing that could make Jair better right now is turning his defense into offense because he's also electrifying with the ball he was a great punt returner and kick returner at Louisville in college once he can haul that interception in uh, we should expect some big plays from Jair after the interception um so, you know, right now he's a top five cover corner, a man-on-man killer, uh, a dominating, smothering force in the defensive backfield. But uh, until he nails those interceptions down, man, once he does, he'll be, he'll be the best cornerback in football. Report from ESPN, Darnell Savage's shin, which he injured on the last play from scrimmage against Minnesota, has a bone contusion. So he's not going to practice much this week but the assumption is that he will play against the Broncos. Uh, bone contusions hurt like absolute hell. Yeah, really painful. Really, really painful. But, but outside of outside of being a really painful situation, shouldn't prevent him physically from playing NFL football. It's just a matter of the fact that like that is going to, like if he goes on Sunday, he's going to be playing through a whole lot of pain. Yeah. But, uh you know, hopefully, hopefully he's up. He's up to that. If the uh, if the medical staff lets him, yeah. Uh, hopefully he's he's able to go. But yeah, that's a. Uh, you know, remember back to Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy playing a season with broken ribs. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Get myself a glass of water with broken ribs. Yeah. No. Aaron Rodgers played last year with the broken. What was that? The fibula plateau or some yeah. something like the oh. same thing that ended J.J. Watt's season and. Cost Kobe eight months. Aaron Rodgers played a whole year through. I can't imagine the level of toughness that some of these guys play with is 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 just absurd, and uh, it's not something that the game deserves. I completely agree with you. There, there's, there's just not, there's not quite enough coming back to these guys for some of the sacrifices that they make. Yeah, no, I mean it. it Look at me, man. I had a sore throat, and I said, no, nah, I'm not going to work. It's not worth it. No. No way. <laughs> I'll go to work when I feel good. These guys are like, nah, I broke my ribs. That's okay. I'll play. It's insane. Yeah, every hey. time something bumps into Darnell Savage's shin, yeah. oh my he God. is going to like, he's going to have pain that like would probably make me pass out. Well, so every time he takes uh, a step, ugh. every time he puts pressure on that leg, he's going to feel it. it that's insane. It's 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 a level of dedication and toughness, and uh, it's it's hard to visualize for a, for a fan. Um, but man, these are some some tough guys out there. They don't need to be doing that. <laughs> All right, there's one last thing for us to do. 
and that's to pour one out for Raven Green and also to name a cheesehead of the week. Yeah. Um, uh, it's got to go to someone ready for Raven Green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's got to go to someone on the defensive side, in my opinion. There's a couple of guys that you could end up end up picking that I'd feel good with. Um, I'm nominating Jair Alexander yeah. for sure. My, me too, yeah. But, all right, yeah, we've got a consensus I, there. I, it's got to be Jair. Oh, Jair. We, we could have chatted about Darnell Savage, uh, but uh, yeah. I, Jair's the sure thing for me. He put the brakes on him. Um, also, I also want to shout out Kevin King because he's played oh, yeah. every snap that he's been assigned in two weeks in a row after yeah. not really having much of a preseason or a training camp because yeah. of a lingering hamstring injury. And, you know, you got to knock on wood with Kevin King at all times, but it couldn't have started better for him. No, and and you do you see what, uh, or sorry, what Jair came out and said yesterday on Twitter? I missed it. Uh, oh, Jair had a whole, <laughs> Jair had a hilarious uh, little thing on Twitter yesterday where he tweeted out after the game, he was like, go watch my man coverage. Go watch that. Tell me there's anyone better. And then he kind of like ended it with me and Kevin King, or me and whatever Kevin King's Twitter name is, best tandem in the league. Put the brakes on him. No one can touch us. <laughs> so there is, there's a new swagger in this defense. There's a new feeling in this defense <clears throat> and in this, this, this team this year. This, it's very excited. Guys are playing with confidence and with... Uh, you know, like there's something on the line for them, which we haven't seen in the last few years. Yeah, there's a bit of a fire in that what they've done. And this was where they could have possibly run into trouble. I guess we're going to keep going with the podcast. That's cool. Yeah, but sure. they could have run into trouble letting go of guys like Nick Perry, Mike Daniels, and Clay Matthews, guys who have defined the identity of the defense for so long. Let go of those guys and... You've created a void. You've got to fill it with something. And for the Packers to have been wise enough to bring in Alexander, to bring in both Smiths, yeah. to, to, to bring in Darnell Savage, those guys who are not only just good players or great players, but also good personalities and, and leadership-oriented personalities, mm -hmm. especially in the case of uh, Zadarius and Preston Smith, everyone... Yeah. Yeah, everyone is talking about what these guys do off the field and in the locker room and and for the for the entire defense. Uh you really gave Zadarius Smith, who is a guy who's just sort of the the glue and the the unappreciated you know, guy who was who was not in the limelight in uh in Baltimore but was still doing great things. You just gave him a chance to really step into uh step into like the next phase of his career yeah and he's, I, I i love i love seeing what they're doing i love the the posing for pictures yeah. in the end zone after it's big fun. plays yeah it's it's they're they're having a good time and yeah they're they are they believe they're hype and yeah. from what they're putting out on the field there's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't no it, they've they've seized uh every opportunity given to them this defense looks Great so far. Our cheese head of the week, Jair Alexander. Congratulations, Jair. Congratulations. Uh, come on, the cheese heads in Chicagoland. Anytime you want, we'd be uh, glad to have you on. That's going to do it for week two of the regular season. Packers have the Broncos at home. That's Sunday at noon. We'll catch back up with you next week on Cheese Heads in Chicagoland. Until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Matt Melipsetter. Hope you're feeling better. Thank but you. But until you get to be feeling better, what should people be doing? Stay cheesy, baby. There you go.